Good morning, Hope Church. How is everyone today? Blessed, great, good, cold. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But uh, it's it's wonderful to be back with you guys this morning. It's nice to have a couple of weeks to relax and head up north to visit my daughter. It was a wonderful time. But we're back, and I'm uh, excited this morning. Because I believe that God has a good word for us. He always does. But today, I think we have something special. And it's a privilege for me to share from God's word. I want to begin this morning by reading a poem. And it wasn't written by me. It was written by that well-known and prolific author, Anon. You know him, right? Or her, I don't know. Could be, either way. But it goes like this. A big silver dollar and a little brown cent. Rolling along together they went. Rolling along the smooth sidewalk. When the dollar remarked, for the dollar can talk. You poor little cent, you cheap little mite. I'm bigger than you and more than twice as bright. I'm worth more than you a hundredfold. And written on me in letters bold is the motto from the pious creed in God we trust, which all can read. I know, said the cent, I'm the cheap little mite, and I'm not good, nor big, nor bright. But, said the cent, with a meek little sigh, you don't go to church as often as I. Well, I guess you guys get the idea from that poem and, of course, from our video that today we're talking about money. And I know that some of you may be thinking, ah, here we go, right? Preach is going to talk about money. I knew this was coming eventually. All the church wants is my money. But friend, let me assure you that nothing could be further from the truth. Because here at Hope Church, we want you to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We want you to grow in the love and grace of God and have a heart for the gospel. That's our mission. It says it right there on the wall. We want to honor God by loving our neighbors sharing the gospel, and caring for each other. That's what we're about. Along the way, we are going to teach you the truth of Scripture. And friends, it just so happens that the Bible has a lot to say about money and how we use it. And I believe that this is timely for a couple of reasons not the least of which is the current economic climate in which we live. Let's be honest, things are a little tight right now. We need to be especially vigilant about our resources. Now, my wife went to the grocery store just this past week, and she paid like $7 for a head of cauliflower. Now, you guys may be wondering, why would anyone buy cauliflower? let alone eat it, right? But it is supposed to be good for you. And friends, I try. 
I try, and I emphasize the word try. I try to eat well. I try to eat healthy. And that is becoming more and more expensive, just, just like everything else. The other reason I think that this is timely is what's coming up in just 35 days? Christmas, right? So you have to figure out how to balance the budget, how to put food on the table, how to put gas in the car, and buy all those gifts that everyone needs so badly. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a Scrooge. I do love Christmas. I enjoy giving gifts. I enjoy receiving gifts. But when resources are limited, something is bound to suffer. But what? So today, yes, we will talk about money and we will talk about giving. We're also going to remind ourselves of some of the things that we've learned already this past year about giving. And then we're going to apply those to a passage of scripture that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And what we're going to see is that there is joy in giving. There's joy in giving. Joy. Joy. Where have I heard that word before? Ah, yes, I remember. We spent the better part of six weeks learning what it means to live a joy-filled life. Remember, we studied Paul's letter to the Philippian church, and we learned that joy is not based on our circumstances. Joy is not based on our bank account, but joy is a choice. We also learned in chapter 4 of Philippians that one of the keys to living with joy is found in joy-filled faith. Joy-filled faith. Faith in God. Faith in God's plan. Trusting that no matter what, God is in control. And he will provide for your every need. And it is that joy-filled faith, friends, that frees us to give faithfully, just as the Philippians gave to Paul's ministry. If you recall, Paul made it clear that the benefit of giving is actually to the giver. He tells the Philippians, and of course he speaks to us as well today, in chapter 4 of that book, that their gift is a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Friends, we can give knowing that God will provide for our every need. Need. Doesn't say want, right? It says need. We always have to distinguish between the two. We sometimes get those confused, needs and wants. we got to remember, too, that another key to joy-filled living, also found in chapter 4 of Philippians, is contentment. Right? Contentment. Being satisfied with what God has provided. Being content with what we have. So where else did we learn this past year about giving? Anybody remember back to this summer? 
I know I do because I long for that weather. Not that it isn't warm and sunny today, right? We'll fool all the live streamers, you know. But if you recall, we were studying the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, Solomon was showing us what it means to walk in the way of wisdom. To live a life filled with wisdom. And in chapter 3 of Proverbs, he said this. He said, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And what, what Solomon's talking about here is also a product of trusting God. We trust in God. And we acknowledge that everything we have comes from him anyway. It's all his. We are merely stewards of what God has blessed us with. So let's, let's continue to build on this by looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, in order to understand this passage, as with any passage, it's important to understand the context in which it's written. So here in 2 Corinthians, Paul, he wanted to raise an offering from the Corinthian church for the struggling church in Jerusalem. And we know from the previous chapter, chapter 8, that the Corinthians had actually made a promise. They promised to provide an offering, but they hadn't fulfilled that promise yet. So what Paul's doing is he's just kind of reminding them a little bit, just a little, just a little poke, you know, just a little number. And at the beginning of chapter 9, he uses the Macedonian church to motivate them. In chapter 8, Paul had boasted about the giving of the Macedonians, how the Macedonians had given out of their poverty. Now in chapter 9, Paul says, hey, hey, I, I've, I've, I've boasted to the Macedonians about you guys now. So don't, don't make me look bad. Don't make yourselves look bad. Follow through on that promise. Now, I want us to understand here that, that Paul isn't trying to guilt the Corinthians into giving. No, no. As we'll see in our scripture for today, we don't give because we have to. But we'll get to that. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to begin at verse 6. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, that's where we're going to be. And in verse 6, Paul says, Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So here, Paul gives us the first principle that we want to take home today. The first principle that we want to take home is that we give generously. We give generously. That's what Paul's calling to us, calling us to. And in this verse, really, he's expanding on this, this really pretty well-known proverb, you reap what you sow. You guys have heard that before, right? You reap what you sow. You sow sparsely, you will reap sparsely. Elsewhere, in the very same spirit, in Galatians chapter 6, Paul says this. He says, whoever sows 
who feed their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. You reap what you sow. And when we sow generously, we reap generously. And Paul uses this farming analogy because this is something that the Corinthians, they could relate to. And, you know, around these parts where we do a lot of farming, we can relate to this as well, right? What did we just finish? What did you just see happen? Harvest, right? And we have some farmers in our congregation, and I'm hoping that they'll back me up on this. But let's say, yeah, I'm hoping. Let's say a farmer has 50 seeds. And he wants to hold on to those seeds because he doesn't want to lose any of those seeds. In the end, what's he going to have? 50 seeds, right? But if he plants those seeds, in other words, if he, if he, if he lets go of those seeds, the potential harvest is far greater than what he originally had. Correct? Correct. And if he plants 500 seeds, the harvest is even greater. So you understand the principle here, right? This is the analogy that Paul is using. But we have to be careful, and I want to make sure that we understand that this is not a prosperity gospel. That is not at all what we're talking about here. These are principles. See, it is, it is sad, friends, and, and it's actually quite embarrassing that there are preachers out there preaching that kind of heresy. Saying, in the name of God, in the name of God, send in your seeds of faith. And soon you'll have that new house. You'll be driving that new car. I heard one go so far as to say, give to this ministry and your curse of debt will be lifted. He's saying, you know, God's going to pay your bills and I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but you're going to get a statement from your mortgage company that's going to say, we don't understand this, but your mortgage has been paid. Friends, it's nonsense. Don't listen to that kind of thing. You know what? If you want to break the curse of debt, I'll tell you how to do it. You do some plastic surgery. Yeah, you cut those credit cards up. You get rid of them. And then find a good money management program, Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University, some Bible-based money management program, and that's how you get out of debt. You got in, it's your job to get out. But here's the principle, friends. We give generously, not that we become rich, not so our mortgage is going to be miraculously paid off. No, we give generously because we trust in the promises of God. God promises that materially he will provide for the generous giver. Remember the promise that we read just a few moments ago from Philippians chapter 4. God will meet, God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And remember, that promise is given in the context of the generous giving of the Philippians. 
spiritually, God will provide for the generous giver in this world and for all eternity. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 19, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times much as much and will inherit eternal life. Now, obviously Jesus isn't saying that we're going to receive a hundred houses if we give up our house, right? Or a hundred fields or a hundred wives for that matter. Probably a good thing, right? Ladies, it goes the other way too. I understand. I understand. But it's a principle. And friends, this principle is consistent with what Paul is teaching us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You're never a loser when you give to God. And we should never be afraid of giving too much. So we are to give generously. that mean? What does that look like? What exactly is generous? Well, how many of you are familiar with a tithe? Anybody know what a tithe is? Okay, a tithe, for anyone who doesn't know, is 10%. A tithe is 10% of what comes in. And in the Old Testament, under the Mosaic Law, God required tithes of his people. That was a requirement. It was almost really like a tax. Now, beyond that, there were other offerings. As a matter of fact, in the temple, there were two chests. They had one for the requisite 10%, and the other one was for what were referred to as free will offerings. But you were required, under the law, to tithe. How does that apply to us today? A better question might be, does it apply to us today? Well, the truth is, friends, there is no command in the New Testament that requires Christians to tithe. Nowhere in the New Testament does it describe a percentage that you are required to give. In fact, there's a number of passages that that make it clear that we're free from the old law. We're free from the old covenant. Colossians 2 tells us that Christ canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. In Romans 3, Paul says a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So the truth is, friends, a tithe, it just doesn't apply. However, that does not absolve us of our responsibility to give. And we are to give, as Paul says, generously. What does that look like? Is 10% generous? Just to pick a number. Is 10% generous? Yeah, you know what? It may be for some, others not so much. You know, having the goal of giving 10%, that's a great thing. 
It is. It's not required, but it's a good goal to have. But you know what? If you're giving 10% and you're not even missing it, you're not even having to think about it, is that giving generously? I'll let you decide. Maybe it should be more like 15%. Maybe it should be higher than that. And you know what? Some of you may be thinking, you know, if I gave 10%, my kids wouldn't eat. Well, God doesn't expect that either. He doesn't expect that either. Your first responsibility is to take care of these things. In fact, in chapter 8, Paul teaches that we are to give according to our means. That's how we measure our giving. We cannot give what we don't have. God measures our giving against our resources. Now, that being said, if someone is thinking, you know, I'm I'm unable to give 10%. I, I just can't do it. But they have a brand new car. An $800 a month car payment. They have multiple streaming services and all the movie channels and they're wearing the latest clothes and all kinds of fancy jewelry. That doesn't make sense either. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's exactly what Jesus said. You want to know where your heart is? Open your checkbook. Take a look at where your money goes. Just saying. So the principle, friends, is to give generously. The percentage is going to be based on your resources. Second principle is found in verse 7. There Paul says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The principle, give cheerfully. Give with joy in your heart. I want you to notice here, too, that Paul begins that verse by saying, each of you. Each of you. And the implication is that we're all in this together, friends. We are a church. We are the body of Christ. We are a community of believers. We should all be givers, knowing that the resources available dictate the amount. We also want to know that, you know, smaller gifts are no less important than than the bigger ones. There's no level of importance. Think about the widow who just put the two small copper coins into the offering. What did Jesus do? He made a big point, a big deal of saying that she gave more than all the rest combined. Because she gave generously. And she gave cheerfully. With the right heart. Our offering is not a compulsory amount. It's not like a tax. It is what we have decided in our hearts to give. We don't give because we have to. No. 
We give because we want to. You know, another way to say it is our giving reveals the purposes of our heart. Our giving reveals the purposes of our heart. So if someone were to say, I love God more than anything, more than golf. Uh, Pick any golfers. I don't know if you have any golfers, but you say, I love God more than golf, but then you go out and you spend all your money on brand new clubs all the time, and, and, and it's expensive to play golf, I think, anymore. Spend all your money like that. And you don't give to the Lord's work. You don't give to the church. Look, how we spend our money says more than our words, right? Talk is cheap. It's our actions that show our true heart. I go back again to what Jesus said. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And Paul says here in in this verse that God loves, or another another way to say it is God favors a cheerful giver. He favors a cheerful giver. It's interesting, this Greek word here that's translated cheerful is the Greek word hilaros. Hilaros. That sound familiar? Yeah, it's where we get our word hilarious. God wants you to give happily. Now, I've seen a lot of offering plates go around, but I don't ever remember anyone laughing hilariously as they drop their check in. But maybe we should be. Maybe we should be. Look, we've learned these principles before about different things, right? Agape love. And just like agape love... Just like joy, it's a choice. Giving generously, giving cheerfully is a choice. And why do we give generously? Why do we give cheerfully? Anybody want to take a whack at that? Because God gives generously and cheerfully to us. In Romans 8, he tells us, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Paul, in the previous chapter, chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave. He loved the world. He gave. He gave generously. He gave cheerfully. He gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The God of creation gives generously and cheerfully to us. Should we not 
give generously and cheerfully back to him a portion of what he's blessed us with? The third principle is found in verse 8. And that principle is we are to give expectantly. We are to give expectantly. Paul says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. And friends, the first thing that we must be convinced of is that God is able. We must believe that he can bless us. And we know this, right? We know this because we know that the God of creation, the God of the Bible, is the creator and sustainer of all things. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. As we said before, God owns it all anyway. Of course he's able to give to us generously. And has he? Amen, amen, in so many ways. Spiritually, we know that he's poured out his love, he's poured out his mercy, he's poured out his grace. The salvation that we have through Jesus Christ, cheerfully and generously, he lavishes it upon us. And materially, again, Paul says that he provides for our every need, all that we need. And I want you to notice the universality here. Three times Paul says all, in all things, at all times, having all you need. Friends, God is not going to hold back. He will give generously and cheerfully. When we, in gratitude, give generously and cheerfully to him, expecting that blessing. The English Standard Version actually translates that one phrase, in all things, at all times. ESV translates that, having all sufficiency. Having all sufficiency. And that Greek word there for sufficiency, it's a word that can also be translated, are you ready for this? Contentment. Contentment. That is a concept that we as Christians must Come to grips with. And we're doing that, right? Amen? Friends, when we give, we're not necessarily going to become rich. And again, our mortgage is not going to be mysteriously paid off. We give expecting that our every need will be met by God generously and cheerfully. And by the grace of God, we are content with what he's provided. And really quickly, why does he do this for us? Why does he do this for us? He loves us, absolutely. God so loved the world, right? But look at the end of verse 8. What does it say at the end of verse 8? He does this so you will abound in every good work. We're blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. 
the blessings from God, they flow into us, they fill us up, and then they flow out to others. We don't hoard those blessings. We channel them to others. That's really what it means, friends, to store up treasures in heaven. That's exactly what it means. Give generously. Give cheerfully with joy in your heart. And give expecting God's blessings. So where are you at? Are you giving generously? The question really becomes, what kind of harvest do you want? Do you want a sparse harvest? Or do you want a generous harvest? And are you giving joyfully? Cheerfully, with joy in your heart? In other words, what kind of a heart do you have? And finally, are you giving expectantly? Trusting that God will supply for your every need. Friends, God has blessed us. God has blessed us. Materially, spiritually. What are you doing with that blessing? Can you imagine the impact for the gospel that the church could have if everyone gave generously, cheerfully, and expectantly? Seriously, friends, not only would churches never have to worry about budgets again, but you know what? There's a study out there that says that the church could solve world hunger. Think about that. Is there joy in giving? Yay and amen. Father, we come to you and praise you. You are the almighty creator, the God of, of the universe, the sustainer of all things. And Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have poured out your blessings on us, that you give generously, that you give cheerfully. And Lord, I just pray that we would be a people that would give back to you, that we would give generously, cheerfully, expecting, knowing, Lord, that you will provide. You've promised it, and we hold to those promises, Lord. Bless the church. Bless our giving. We ask this in Jesus' name.